today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Hallelujah. Amen. Really and truly, that this is done with. Revelation speaks about no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain. Uh, Again, done, changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And you know, this, this whole idea, we see it, as I said, in the scriptures in various types or shadows of what the rapture is like. We see it all the way back in the early chapters of the book of Genesis. The man Enoch. We see in Enoch, in Genesis chapter 5, we read about Enoch, the first man, I believe, ever to be raptured. You might be out there listening today and have really been struggling with life in general. Maybe things just aren't going your way. You might be trying to pay down debt and creditors won't stop calling. Maybe you're going through a major loss in your family. Whatever the issue is, David wants us all to remember the hope we have in Jesus. If you haven't accepted Jesus, now is the time. He's not promising smooth sailing for life, but he is a promise of hope and indescribable peace. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 1 with today's edition of The Open Word. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Down, down in verse 13, let's, let's look at what Paul writes to the church. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Isn't that why, you know, we come together? Really, we, we want to open up the word together. We want to read the word. We want to understand what God is speaking to his church. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren and sistren. Not cistern, but uh, cistern, sisters. Concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now, you understand, those who have fallen asleep, that's not those that are taking a nap, okay? Those that are physically dead. And he's speaking about believers who are physically perished, okay? This is totally different than those who are non-believers who are dead. They speak of believers who have fallen asleep, okay? I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, those who died in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain will until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. If you underline or highlight your Bible, that little phrase, caught up. Caught up together with him. And whereat? 
in the clouds to meet the Lord where? In the air. We'll speak about that in a moment. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The difference between what Paul is speaking about here and the second coming of Christ is that the second coming of Christ, the word says that he's going to plant his feet in Jerusalem. And there's going to be a splitting there. And we'll look at some of those verses later on as we get into this study. But there is a distinct difference between the events of the second coming of Christ and the rapture of the church. In this passage, again, you, you look at verse 17, and the translation in our English Bibles is that little phrase, caught up. And it's a translation of a Greek word, caught up in our English Bibles, is actually a Greek word, harpazo, harpazo. And in the earlier translations of the Bible from Greek into Latin, the Latin word that's translated harpazo was a Latin word, rapio, R-A-P-I-O, rapio. The Latin word rapio has a simple meaning to snatch away, to, to catch up. Or to carry off. Okay? So the word caught up has that meaning of snatching away. Okay? You'll see that on the notes there. Rapio, the Latin base from the very word that we get raptured. So as far as the translation is the word rapture in our Bibles, well, it depends upon the translation. If you're reading it in Latin, yes it is. Rapio comes from that idea, that thought of being snatched up, caught away, carried off. The spiritual reality that we see in the rapture and the idea and the thought of the rapture, we see this concept all throughout Scripture. Again, Old Testament and New Testament. The rapture of the church is that event that God removes the living believers from the earth in order to make way for his wrath to be poured out upon the earth. The word says that you and I as believers, we're not appointed for wrath. And so God has to get us out of the way if he's going to pour his wrath out, as we're going to read in the book of Revelation, as he's going to pour his wrath out on the world. So again, his righteous judgment coming on the earth in what's called the great tribulation that we'll read about as we get further on into the book of Revelation. Although we can see this idea related all throughout scripture, the rapture is probably the most clearest and the, the, the primary scriptures that we see is this passage in First Thessalonians chapter 4. But also, turn with me, if you would, to the left, to First Corinthians chapter 15. It's in these verses particular that, that we see that, that God not only is going to take the believers, but he's also going to resurrect all the believers who have already died, physically died. And at the very same instant, he's going to give us glorified bodies, take us from the earth, along with, uh, again, the believers that, that have passed away, the believers that are alive, all of them coming together with glorified bodies. Again, we know that the rapture is going to be instantaneous in nature, again, in, in the very 
twinkling of an eye in just a moment. And at that very moment, when the rapture happens, you and I as believers, we receive our glorified immortal bodies at that very moment. Those that are dead in Christ rise up and you say, well, what about the guy that was uh, uh, cremated? Pastor, should I get cremated? What happens? You know what? The Lord knows where all your parts are. And it's not going to be this flesh and blood that's going to be resurrected anyway. So it's not a deal. I have absolutely no problem. Because listen to what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, down in verse 50. He says, now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This carcass that we're carrying around right now, we don't need to worry about that anymore. Okay, You ought to take care of it right now. Just as a stewardship of our lives. We ought to. But you know what? It's not meant for eternity. It's only temporary. Okay, so flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, that's not the theme verse for the nursery. Okay, has absolutely nothing to do with that. Uh, it deals with us. We're not all going to die, but all as believers shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. Amen. Really and truly that this is done with. Revelation speaks, man, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain. Again, done changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And you know, this this whole idea, we see it, as I said, in the scriptures in various types or shadows of what the raptures, like we see it all the way back in the early chapters of the book of Genesis. The man Enoch, we see in Enoch, in Genesis chapter 5, we read about Enoch, the first man, I believe, ever to be raptured. It says that Enoch walked with God and was not. Why? Because God took him. He just suddenly was not there. I believe that it is a type, a shadow. I believe that he was raptured. He was taken out. I love thinking about the fact that Enoch walked with the Lord on a regular basis. And one day they were just closer to God's house than they were to Enoch's. And God says, just come on home with me. God took him. He was no longer there. By faith, Hebrews 11.5 tells us, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before he was taken up, he was pleasing to God. Hebrews 11.5 tells us this. Another one that we see a type or shadow is Elijah. Remember, Elijah was taken up out of the world by that whirlwind. Some say, well, he's taken up by a, a chariot of fire. No, he wasn't. The chariot of fire was a distraction. Elijah was taken up by the whirlwind. Go back and read it, Second Kings chapter 2. Even, even when we, we can read in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6. Remember, it was the year the king Uzziah died. 
And Isaiah was transported, I believe, to the very throne room of God. Well, could that have been a vision or was he really there? I don't know. But I believe that it's a type. He was there. He was in the presence of Almighty God. And it was a powerful enough vision or experience of Isaiah that Isaiah knew that he was toast because he's standing in front of a holy and righteous God. And he is a man with sinful lips and he dwells in a land of sinful people. In Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, we see Jesus Christ ascended to the heavens bodily ascended. The disciples were standing around. And the word says that he ascended into the clouds. And the disciples just kept looking, watching. For those of you who have looked at or studied or you've read the book of Revelation, you're semi-familiar with it even, what's happening in the first three chapters it is, again, Jesus' word to the seven churches. And again, we'll get into that as, as we get into the book of Revelation. But there is an interesting thing. The very last church that he speaks about there in chapter 3, and it's verses 14 through verse 22, is the Laodicean church. Anybody know what this problem with the Laodicean church was primarily? They were lukewarm. They were lukewarm. They were just kind of riding the waves. They weren't on fire for Christ, neither were they against Christ. They were just kind of there. And we're going to look into this when we get into Revelation. And I believe in these seven churches, not only do we see seven uh, uh, ages of church history, but I believe that also at the same time, you can take those seven churches and plant them at any point in time in those ages. And we can see symbols, we can see thoughts and ideas of the church at that time. Do you think that the church, some portion of the church, any part of the church might be lukewarm today? I think we can shake our head like this. Because the church, by and large, is lukewarm. Not on fire for God. There's not a Holy Spirit fire that's just burning in the church right now. That's changing communities. That's changing the world. Oh, we see a little bit here and we see a little glimmer there, but not in the church as a whole. So as we look at this, that last church, the lukewarm church, another, another side note on the midst of this. We're, we're also warned in, in the New Testament writings, that the end times are going to be a time when the visible church is going to be a great falling away. Do you remember what I spoke and I've, we've spoken in the past about the visible church and the true church? The visible church is every church that opens its doors and all the people that are inside the church doors. Everybody that says, it's, it's the Barner reports that says that 75% of Americans are Christians. That might be the visible church. But I don't believe that everybody that says I'm a believer is truly a believer. You say, well, that's very judgmental of you, Pastor. No, I just take that from the Word of God. When Jesus says that in that day, many are going to come to him and say, Lord, Lord. And he says, you know what? I never knew you. And they're going to say, yeah, but I was really busy about church. I did a whole lot of church stuff. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. There is a difference between the visible church and the true church. 
Okay, And the word says that within the visible church, in the end times, there's going to be a great falling away, what they call an apostasy. And they're, they're going to gather to themselves these false teachers. We'll be back in Revelation in a minute. Just let me read to you from Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica. He says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus. So he's speaking about at the end times. And our gathering together to him, we ask you, don't be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ is come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away, the apostasy, comes first. And that man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. And we'll get into him as we get into Revelation some more. Paul also writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, for the time will come when they, speaking of the visible church, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I don't know. Let me ask you. Do you see any of that happening? I think we do. I think we do. And, and, and I'm, I'm not a megachurch blaster by, by any sense. Of, some of them are doing just awesome works. But I know that there's some that's it's just filling them with Cotton candy. Filling them with cotton candy. And you know what cotton candy is, don't you? Everything gets whipped in a whirl, stirred all up. It's nothing but sweetness and full of hot air. Okay? And there's some that are just being drawn to that by the droves because they're never challenged in their faith. I can walk away from there feeling great every day. But am I challenged in my faith? And am I being drawn deeper in relationship with Christ? It's happening today, probably more so, just simply because of mass media and all other kinds of things. Turning aside from the truth, turning to fables, feel-good message, no commitment, without a change of their personal lives at all. So it's after the warning to the seven churches there in Revelation, and in particular after that lukewarm Laodicean church there at the end of chapter 3, that in the book of Revelation, as we begin chapter 4, suddenly there's a change that takes place. When you, again, when we, when you read those things, the chapters and verses were never there to begin with. So as John is writing this out, he writes about the seventh church, the lukewarm church, the Laodicean church. Then as we move right into chapter 4, listen to these words. He says, now it's after these things, after the word that Jesus gave to the seven churches, it was after these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. Well, if you remember in Thessalonians, we spoke about a trumpet that's going to call us up, okay? I heard a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here, come up here. The whole idea, after the church age, this whole idea of coming up here, and I'll show you things which, which must take place 
after this. After what? After the church age. After these seven church ages, I believe, after the time of that lukewarm church, after that time of apostasy, after that time of man masses turning with tickling ears, after this, things that will must take place after this. And immediately, he says, I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. This transformation, a dynamic change that suddenly happened as John is called into the heavens. And for two chapters, chapter 4 and chapter 5, we read of this great worship, this great celebration in the heavenlies. And for the next 13 chapters after that, we read of the wrath of God being poured out. I believe the church is in the heavens celebrating and worshiping while the wrath of God is being poured out on the earth. During that time of wrath, yeah, there's going to be some that are saved. There will be some that are left here on the earth that have heard the gospel message probably over and over and over again that probably thought that they were saved, believed that they were saved, but never truly had a relationship with Christ. And as soon as the rapture is taken, a husband is gone, a wife is gone, parents are gone, friends are gone, they're left. Will they have a chance to come to Christ at that time? Well, the word says that those that come to Christ during that time, they'll be almost immediately martyred. And if it's difficult for them to come to Christ now, how much more difficult will it be for them then? You come to Christ, you'll not eat, you'll not buy, you'll not sell. You think that you have persecution now because you're a believer, or if you came to Christ at that point in time, The world turns against you. The system is absolutely against you. Oh, some will be, but they will be martyred at that time, and it won't be an easy conversion for them. Following those 13 chapters of, again, the wrath of God being poured out, we read in Revelation chapter 19. Look over there, if you would. Flip over to chapter 19. Then John says, what's the first three words in your Bible? After these things. After these things. After those 13 chapters of the wrath of God being poured out. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. And then on into verses 7 and 9, we see that marriage supper of the Lamb. Christ is the bridegroom, the church as his bride. Again, the sudden change that takes place in those opening verses back in chapter 4. I believe that it's very evident that in chapter 4 of Revelation, John is called up to heaven. I believe personally that it speaks of the rapture of the church. Chapters 4 and 5 speak about that great time of praise and worship with the four living elders. Again, the 24 or the four living creatures, the 24 elders, the bride all gathered together for that final preparation. Chapters 6 through 18, the times of turmoil, the times of trial and tribulation, God's wrath being poured out on the earth, a time that we see all throughout Scripture that's been described as seven earthly years, that great tribulation. And again, as we get into Revelation, we'll look more into that timing and the 
how, how that's all pulled together. Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of Revelation, and we know you'll want to come back for more. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen back through other teachings, you can find them all at theopenword.com under the Teachings tab. We hope today's message has touched your heart, settled some questions you've had, and maybe even caused you to ask a dozen more. If you do have questions, we'd love to do all we can to answer them. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd love to pray for you, too, and learn more about your journey of faith. Once again, that number is 520-836-9676. We believe that God has given us the church so that we can learn more about Him and about living together in community. Are you a part of a local body of believers? If you're in the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has a special invitation for you. Thanks for listening to The Open Word. If you're in the Casa Grande area and looking for a church home, I'd love to meet you and shake your hand welcome you to our community of believers here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet weekly on Saturdays, Sundays, and Wednesdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible. You'll be able to find out more about us and get directions by visiting theopenword.com. And under the links at the bottom of the page, click on Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I look forward to meeting you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all we have time for today. But join us to learn more from the pages of Revelation right here on The Open Word.